right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday long-form session where we get 45 minutes to an hour with industry professionals to share their perspective, their experiences, and really just benefit the group in general. It's basically like coffee talk for cyber professionals, and I'm absolutely super pumped about today. As you saw from the uh, the promo card coming in here, we are going to be joined by Ryan Larvik, uh, CEO of Nuvik, who's also got just an amazing uh, career experience. He was at Grimm for a while, which many of us know, Bryson Bort's uh, company, and he worked at the Pentagon and McKinsey, which I haven't had a chance to talk to Ryan about that, but uh, McKinsey's got this whole mystique to it that I, <laughs> I would definitely like to penetrate that veil and get a little bit behind the scenes. But but standard uh, practices, guys, if you have any questions, this is an absolute total engagement show. So Q&A, I will bring questions in. I'll take them out. Ryan will answer them. Today, he's going to be sharing how to understand and manage cyber risk. This is basically, if you are a GRC person, get ready to get all up in it. It's going to be like a gravy train of GRC content really from a chief information security officer perspective, I'm sure we're gonna be talking about Ryan's book, which basically lays out a blueprint on how to practically implement, understand, measure, and report on cybersecurity. So there is going to be an absolute avalanche of information coming at you. So sit back, relax, this will be available on replay as usual. So don't sweat it if, you're, if you miss something, we're gonna have a good time, let's go get Ryan. Hold on, where's Ryan? Oh, I'm all full screen. Where are, there we are. Let's get rid of that, let's do this. What's up, Ryan, how are you, man? Good, Jerry, good to see you, man. How are things with you? Oh, awesome, awesome. I'm just uh, all amped up, all energy all the time. Um, I see that you're at RSA there. Like for, for a guest, you probably have the most exciting like background <laughs> of any Simply Cyber <laughs> Live guest we've had. How, how is RSA? Uh, good. You know, it's the same. Um, I'm probably a challenging person to ask because I always look for the, uh, I'm a fundamentalist, right? So I always look for the practicality side. So uh, I'm always looking for that area of like, all right, what are you actually doing? How is this actually, you know, solving the problem? And there's a lot of that here, which is great. And then there's the fun, you know, commercial side of it too. Uh, so it's good. Yeah. It's also good to see people again, right? It's kind of nice to be back plugged into like some of the ideas and some of the thinking that's going on and actually like being able to see people again as we sort of like, you know, get back to what we would normally consider as normal. So normal, yeah, right. So, so is yeah. RSA your first kind of big post pandemic conference? No, well, big, this one has a scale of its own size. Right. So right. <laughs> um, I think uh, SmooCon was probably the first sort of back we were at DEF CON uh, last year. Right. So uh, that had a, you know, a good, good following as well. So, uh, yeah, it feels maybe, maybe it's been almost a full cycle. So by the time August rolls around and DEF CON rolls around this year, it'll probably be a, a good full cycle of what would be normal again. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. run into you in Vegas. I, I've never been to RSA, but I've always, I mean, I know you're a, a vendor uh, also, but I always felt like RSA gets the stigma, one that I propagate too, that it's more for the, ven it's like vendor on vendor action out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's like this distinction between are we marketing to the problem or are we solving the problem, right? And that's uh, some gray area in between, but largely two different camps. Yeah, it's, it's look, there's nothing that commercialism can't, you know, uh, make worse, but, um, you know, it also is helpful for a lot of organizations. We personally don't, you know, personally, professionally don't, you know, uh, market in this fashion, but what it is really good for is, you know, sort of seeing some of the, some of the ideas, right? It's sort of on the fringe, like the innovation ideas are sort of on the fringe here where it, 
other cons that are, you know, right in the center coming out. So you got to kind of go on the edge of RSA to get it. But yeah. Cool. Well, I, yeah. I uh, you know, I'm glad to see you at the conferences. I, I've been to a couple since the post-pandemic kind of status. And uh, yeah, it really is good to connect and, and just, you know, it's not all about the product. It is about engagement and those kind of organic conversations and seeing people and, and catching up and stuff like that. So absolutely uh, love it yeah. for you. So um, yeah. I, I want, when we talked about you coming on the show many moons ago, cause we, we've had to reschedule a few times. Um, we were talking about uh, your book, really understanding and managing cyber risk. Now uh, I'm going to bring it up on stream because I want to I want to focus on it, and then we can we can pivot you know around um, as necessary. But here's here's um, Ryan's book. Now, guys, I've pinned a chat in the YouTube comments. Ryan wrote this book. It's it's actually very very practical. If like not to like toot Ryan's horn here, but like if you look at the way it's laid out. Um, I'm always a huge fan of looking at the table of contents before anything else because I really feel like it 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 informs on what we're actually doing here. And if you look at this, guys, um, the way he's laid it out, it, it's it's just nice. It, it states the problem, gets it all laid up in advance before you try to solve it, right? So it doesn't make any assumptions about like what uh, you know what the challenges are of understanding and managing cyber risk. And then he lays out the solution, which is so brilliant, right? Understand the problem, manage the problem and then get right up into measuring the problem, which is one of the most difficult things um, that I would say um, CISOs and practitioners do. Did, did, when you wrote this book, did you find that the metrics part was kind of the most challenging to deliver practical information on? Yeah, first, Jerry, thanks for that. That was wildly flattering. So I really appreciate you going through that because you know, it's oh, always nervous yeah. when, you're putting, when you're putting something out, it's like, all right, how's this actually gonna be received? So. Uh, thank you very much for that. That's uh, yeah. wildly. I love the compliment. To answer your question, um, yeah, the measurements. With, okay, so here's the deal with measurements, right? It's the, the piece I think that has been lost in the conversation uh, since we love talking about measures, right? What you measure matters, right? We can measure anything, right? I can measure how many water bottles are on the floor. Like to <laughs> me in this in this current matter, it, that doesn't matter. But what matters is what we're measuring, right? So yes measures are a challenge but what's what's almost more important measures actually become simpler right when you start to focus on well what what problem are we solving for like what what are we trying to measure right okay mm -hmm. x okay well how do we have that under management okay why okay great now let's see how we're doing and i don't not talking you know performance measures because that's part of them right but the major piece is like do we have measures that tell me how we're managing it because you get what you inspect, not what you expect, right? And so if you mm -hmm. know what you're inspecting, then the measures become easier. So that's sort of the construct. But the even longer answer is, yeah, measures are really hard because you've got to get to the space of like, what problem are we solving for, right? To then think about, all right, how are we gonna measure it? And why are we measuring it? Are we measuring it for information? Like how many DDoS attacks we have? Okay, great, fun, you know? Mm -hmm. How is that actionable, right? Well, it's not unless your load balancers are messed up or like some, you know, some network issue that you're having relative to it. But largely, it's just informative. The hard spot, the hard spot, Jerry, is getting into the, the mental space. Of like, all right, what what's a super easy way to put a little bit of math, right, behind the problem, behind a the an answer to the problem we're trying to solve for that is actionable, right, and measurable over time and that to me is the hard part with measures and if we get in that mind space then at least the problem is more solved right mm -hmm. and more um 
descriptive of what we're trying to achieve that then makes the measures easier. Yeah. yeah so let me, let me ask you this. So, um, you know, and I, I, I don't know if you know this, but like, so I've built infosec programs and, and fixed infosec programs and managed infosec programs. And, you know, yeah. that's why I know that metrics is such a pain. Um, yeah. do, do you find, or have you found that, um, typically when you build and mature a cyber program, you put in stuff in place and then you start maturing it. You go from like, you know, kind of ad hoc to in place and then optimize and metrics always seem to be at the tail end of any optimization growth program. Are you of the, you know, and this is a philosophical thing for those watching, right? There's a philosophical position. I want to know Ryan's stance on, are you an advocate of measuring intermittently or saving it as part of that kind of optimized uh, program, you know, attribute? Oh, great, great question. I'm gonna go with the, I'm an OODA loop kind of guy to steal from our friends in the Air Force, right? Uh -huh. um, it's that constant iteration of measuring, of, you know, sort of the adaptive approach, right? What are we trying to do? How are we getting there? How do we know we're getting back? Give that feedback measure back in. That's the part that is, that where philosophically I land in because what happens is there's a lot of time between the time you implement or, or, or construct the concept of something, the architecture, then put it in place, then get it to actually work, then get to a place where you're measuring it and then try to optimize that. You've got that sort of time delay and without that feedback mechanism throughout the place, you, you're sort of lost, right? Oh, you can be, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm more of a, you know, quick and easy feedback first to get, you know, actionable information on how we're doing as we're building it. And then through that cycle, you find optimization. So that's philosophically where I land, but where, you know, yeah, no, no, I, I love it. I love yeah. it. And it, you know, it's kind of funny if, if, you know, I used to be a software engineer a million years yeah. ago. Um, right. And waterfall methodology was the, the way to do it. And then agile came out and what we're talking about very much has a corollary between, you know, waterfall and, and, and uh, agile. Uh, I'm 100% with you. I mean, I, I almost think that there's kind of the way you build a cyber program in stages, um, you almost do your metrics in stages as well. Like to me, there's like some obvious early metrics to get. And then, you know, the more advanced, like when you start getting trend data and how quickly you can get um, intel from from different places and stuff like that. So I, I do think it's interesting. What, what I'm kind of curious, what, what metric have you found to be the most... Um, valuable from the perspective of board engagement or board or budget like i you know like from a professional perspective we could talk about like you know dwell time and mean time and respond you know all this cool stuff mm -hmm. but like what like yeah. what gets the money flowing right i have a little button for that straight cash homie straight <laughs> randy moss straight cash homie what what there gets the go. money flowing yeah oh, so those are a lot of questions i'll tell you so let me let me help you with this let me show you my point of view because i've had a yeah. quick answer for the first one but the boards and uh actionable information for the CISO level actionable information the technical yeah, sorry, level sorry Ryan then, sorry no it's yeah. great it's, it's yeah. perfect because this is it Jerry you nailed it like this is this is why it's a challenge because what happens is there's strategic measures that say all right as a, as a big program right how are we doing from a risk standpoint right what are the actual risks what are the five to seven strategic measures that that collectively tell the whole risk story, right? So there's, you have one that tells a part of the story, think of it like a pie, right? The whole story looks like this, and we have five to seven that, that tell a piece of the pie individually, but collectively tell the whole, right? Then you get into, all right, what are the, and this is the, this is the question we always fall on. 
where are the tactical measures? Like what tactical measures do I need to know? This is the dwell time, right? The ability to identify an issue and then very quickly be able to, you know, uh, have a resolution or at least have an actionable team on it, right? And all these sort of mean time to do X in between. Um, and then there's the money question, right? Mm -hmm. Then this is the tussle for the CISO, as you know, right? It's like, all right, what are the ones that talk up to me about the risk where I can go to the board? What are the ones that sort of tell the story as I want to tell it the way I see it, right? So that I can get the programs and the, um, the, the, either the tooling or the people, like some sort of resource, right? That we have, you know, cash being resource uh, mm -hmm. that will have a need to fill this. And then like, how do I know I sit back and I risk? And those are like, all of the questions you asked are sort of packed into this. And like, how do I identify five to seven key measures that then, you know, can be supported by tactical measures that tell us like really what's going on that actually tell the whole story. And then from there, what audience do we want to choose from? So if it's the money slide, um, well, the best is, you know, any one of the dwell times because that's where the risk is, right? Mm -hmm. So meet if you're, if you're really looking to, if you sit back and look at your program and you're like, all right, we're really fairly light on the ability to detect and respond in a, in a, in a rapid fashion, right? Which means there's an incident of some sort be it sophisticated or not, right? Um, which has put some part of the organization or data at risk, right? To then say, all right, well, how how much is it risk and how long is it risk and where is it gone to? So you either have, you know, it's either through an endpoint, you've got endpoint detection, you can tell what's actually lost or you don't, right? So anywhere in there, you choose a measure that says, all right, well, what part of the program do I need that's gonna help me tell the story that's gonna give me visibility into that type of uh, an issue quicker and then how do I tell that story to the you know, rest of the executive team or the board to then get funding for it? And that's the money slide. And that could be anything from, I mean, my favorite, just to answer the question in that context is percentage of assets identified as critical. Mm -hmm. The one thing everybody hates, right? But the reality is it gets the board thinking about, well, why is that even important? Well, okay, of all of the assets that we have, right? I mean, choose from the self-defense matrix, right? Not just data, right? But networks, users, uh, and applications, right? Of all of those assets, do we have a visibility of those? And do we know which ones are critical? And every organization will try to say yes, but none of them actually do it well. So as a manager of this, right? You wanna say, well, I've gotta have visibility of what's most important because that's what's gonna impact the business. So I'll choose a measure from there. You know, percentage of assets identified as critical is, is, a, start, is a good starting point. Not, you know, not glamorous, but it's, no, no, no. It, it is. It is interesting. And let me just like for my own edification, if you can clarify, yeah. when you say percent of identified assets that are critical, are you saying that percentage of total assets and this percentage is critical? Or are you saying we've identified all the critical assets, but we only see 25% of them? We don't know where the other 75% are. Which one are you saying? Jerry, that's perfect. So the first one, Okay. But it informs, but the latter informed yeah. is being is informed by the first one. And this is the good thing about a really good measure, right? I mean, it doesn't even have to be a metric per se. It can just be straight math. Mm -hmm. Denominator, number of assets. Do we know it? The answer in most organizations is no. Okay, great. But at least now we're focused on the right problem, right? It's, yeah, like, it's okay, a range. Have... <laughs> Precisely, right? Yeah. Now go to the board and try to explain that. Wait, what do you mean you don't have all your your assets inventoried, right? Or understood, or under man, or understood at least uh, in a, in a repository where you can at least identify where they are, and then try to have them all under management. No organization does that well, but it's the super fine point of where we start with this problem, because if we don't know what we own, 
right? And we don't know where it is, which in the days of cloud infrastructure now is like a pretty big thing. Yeah. We have all these magical backdoors into our network. So it doesn't really matter how well we're doing on all the other things when we've got two open doors back there that are going to, that somebody somewhere has swept a credit card, pushed a, you know, either a, a blob or a bucket or some sort of cloud instance in the infrastructure somewhere without logging or monitoring or identifying what's in it. And all of a sudden you put, if you put anything of value to the attacker side and uh, that could damage the organization, you now have this risk sitting out there in an asset class, you know, uh, that you don't have any visibility. And so it's sort of like the, all right, well, and God forbid you market as public, right? And all of a sudden now it's really exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But this is the challenge. It's like, all right, well, do we know everything we own? And do we, you know, do we have it under management? And, and that's why something like, you know, a simple measure with a denominator of all of them, right? With, okay, of all those, how much do we think are critical based on some risk factor that, you know, we can argue about all day long? Then we can say, um, all right, of that, how many of our critical assets do we do we think we know and we this is where it starts to inform me all right well the aspiration is to identify all assets and to identify all the ones that are critical right clearly that's easy to say extremely hard to do so what i've seen organizations do that has worked really well is mm -hmm. to say all right in two years jerry like we should have an understanding of all of our assets <laughs> and you have people laughing already yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and then of, I mean, you, you understand the challenge here, and this is just one area, but the other challenge is, all right, of those, what do we really think is critical? And you don't have to have this like huge, dynamic, uh, multifaceted, you know, risk analysis for every asset. You just have to get an ability to categorically say, you know, is it gonna put the, the organization at harm? And what type of harm will it be? And how do we, how do we rack and stack those, right? And then you can get to a point to say, all right, now, where do we, how do we get to our two-year goal? And that's just one measure, but that's that's where that first part informs the second part. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny because like like people who aren't in the know that are watching this right now might think like it just seems silly to say like in two years we'll know where all our assets are when like you could walk around your house and in a month or I mean and I'm being very very conservative in a month you mm -hmm. could inventory every item in your house, but with with large organizations. Organizations, I, I assume you're talking about large organizations, really, um, with large organizations in cloud and Carl putting, you know, their own uh, shadow IT. Although I heard someone call it unstructured, uh, un unmanaged infrastructure the other day, which I loved because this yeah. individual said shadow IT is a cool term for you and I, but uh, you know, like CFO doesn't know what shadow IT means. It just sounds like a fun, like a, a, a word they don't care about. So unmanaged yeah. infrastructure, uh, we wanted to call it. Um, so great it's point, great. Ryan. I love it. Um, so getting back to the book, guys, right here is Ryan's book, Understand, Manage, and Measure Cyberus. The dude's got a million years of uh, experience collectively. Um, Ryan, one thing I noted here, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but, uh, well, first of all, let me let me just call out Michael McCaughlin because you, you made his day. Michael said he just started a position. He has to start a cyber program. And this live stream just happened. And your book is basically going to be his Uber cheat sheet. So nice job, Michael. And uh, thanks for the assist, Ryan, on that. Absolutely. Michael, good luck. Like this, 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 this is exactly what the book is written for, a practical guide to just step through the fundamentals that seem to be lost in, in the industry, right? So, uh, I mean, the main thing here is 
this is why I actually wrote it as a guide for me to help organizations work through and just happen to publish it. Right. And so Michael, great. I really appreciate that. Cause it's, it's really meant for the practitioner to be like, how do I keep, how do I keep the thread the same? Right. Do I know what problem I'm solving for? Do I know how to manage it? How do I know I'm doing well? Let's measure it. So thanks for that, Jerry and Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's yeah. simply cyber, Ryan, like our community is, uh, we're, we're all, we're all practitioners. We're all, we're all inclusive. Um, so anyways, the question I wanted to ask you, this is your first edition. Now you have a second edition coming out June 25th. So, you know, guys, if you're, if, if you're hot for that, just wait a month or so, and you can get the new edition. Here's my question for you, Ryan. And I mean it with all due respect, which usually means that I'm about to say something that's likely to offend you. Okay. So I've written a book. Okay. Um, I've written two books, but like one was more of a commercial book and I don't know if I could do it again. It is, it is not, gosh, it is an arduous journey and you wrote the same book twice. So can you explain to me, can you explain to me why did you do a second edition? What was your experience like? You don't have to spend a ton of time on that because it's more about writing a book than cyber. And then two, mm-hmm. why did you write the book in the first place? So I know that's a bunch of questions, but I've, I've given you some runway here. Jerry, I love it. Yeah, I'll work them backwards if it's okay. Yeah, Why did I write it? Honestly, yeah. so so I left the, the DOD in I think 2014, went right to commercial. And it was, you know, in the DOD, we have manuals. We have like, you know, stuff that we're either writing manuals or policies and like we've got guidebooks everywhere. And if we don't, we write one. So I came out to industry and I'm, you know, briefing boards, lots of boards, lots of C-level executives, and they're really smart people, right? But there seemed to be this lack of the environment of like, where is sort of the go-to guide for how to sort of just start thinking about cybersecurity from a defensive standpoint in an organization? It didn't seem to exist. Now, trust me, Jerry, like everybody listening, like there's probably some other guide out there and I just missed it because like, I really don't know that much about like (laughs) all this stuff. But I was able, I I looked at this and said, all right, well, here's, here's what I'm hearing from CISOs that they're challenged with. I need one common way to talk to the board, my other executives, the peers in my level, and my operators. And I need one framework, one way to think about this, right? And then I need a way to sort of see how I'm doing over time. And when I was looking for those things, you know, honestly, Jerry, they didn't seem to exist. Mm -hmm. And so I, I actually wrote this as a guide for me to sort of have conversations with those and help them out and maybe leave it as a leave behind. Well, then COVID happened, right? And it's like, all right, everything's sort of shut down. So I was actually um, with my uh, mother-in-law's house and my family over COVID and I just sat down on a vacation and just poured it all out into a bunch of pages and it became a book. But yes, it is a, then, then you get it to the publisher and it's like, wow, this is a real pain and I don't recommend it for anybody because that's yeah. for the real cycle. So as you know, like that's the yeah. challenge. Um, so that's why it was written. And then it, largely just for as a field guide for CISOs to, you know, Hey, this is something that you know might be helpful just getting started with the basics full stop um, and the second piece look once you push it out you know you start to see the flaws in it and you're like all right how does it connect to the overall enterprise risk management system right we've got s-bombs coming out like all right we're big in the application space and we really need visibility into some of the pieces that are there so there are parts i sort of we we you know put together uh had some help with the second one uh which was nice which made it easier to your first question uh but to literally <laughs> Pull some stuff together to say, all right, look, 
what are some of the pieces you know as we get here that are sort of that are that are missing we want to pull in so we went deeper in the third-party risk we went deeper in uh the controls to you know framework mapping and we went deeper into the software build materials piece because that's finally back in sort of mainstream which mm -hmm. got lost decades ago uh and then how to push it into risk management so that's what's new in the second one and i'll tell you jerry you're right i don't think i'm ever gonna write another because it is you know it's a lot of work yeah it, it really is and like i said with all due respect uh you know i'm sure there was a good reason but but yeah i can totally see where after you um after you look at it you know that you see all the flaws that no one else really is going to see but like oh i wish i had gone yeah. deeper in that or i should i totally should have added uh that yeah. or you know whatever like this csf comes out with uh you know, uh, the supply chain and they're like, oh, this is a big yeah. area. I should probably inc incorporate that. Yeah. Do you mind if I yeah, tap into for that it. for just a second? Because that, that's a really good point. So for all of those listening, uh, NIST is actually coming out with uh, a new version, as we all know, and they're going to they're going to put uh, governance in as a as a third function or I'm sorry, as a sixth function. Sorry. Um, and that'll work. So but it's an ever changing field. So one of the key things for this sort of practitioner's guide was borrow from open source pieces. It's literally just a look at like, all right, we're going to hear a number of open source frameworks that are out there, right? Here's some measures that have worked over time that aren't like proprietary anywhere. And once you get that thread together, now it starts, the bigger pieces start to, to push out. And like, I'll tell you, um, Alex Esposito was a big help in actually uh, writing some of the third party risk and, and controls mapping part because she was doing a lot of work in that space. And I was like, nobody seems to be taking sort of NIST where the controls stop and like say, you know, ISO really uh, has really good controls and putting them together and say, all right, at least for right now, here's mm -hmm. a connective tissue between the two to test your controls against what the risks really look like. But as you suggest, like, you know, seven months from now, that's going to be, you know, there's going to always going to be a tweak. And so um, that's always a challenge too, because things are always changing. Yeah, I was actually trying to find, yeah. I saw the NIST CSF 2.0. There's like somebody's made like a nice graphic um, with the governance mm -hmm. and, uh, one thing about that cyber framework is that uh, for, for people, you know, uh, or, that are interested, I think Bryson Board actually put this on social media. Um, it's not like they're really introducing new controls per se. They're just actually carving out the governance ones from each of the five areas to have to, to basically call out the governance section. So the not so the business people can, you know, be able to be like, oh, this is this is kind of your piece uh, over here. Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. And what's really interesting there is like, so, all right, when we really step back, like what are the, what's the business we're really in, right? We're in the reduction of impact to the business business, right? Yeah, right. And what's interesting is governance has picked up significantly over the last, let's call it 13, 15 years, something along those lines. So it makes sense to sort of call it out because what happens is you have regulatory fines, right? It's the, the, Fed is already there in certain areas. We see the SEC and other other areas moving forward with this, right? But then also at the state level, right? You see what's happening with the New York Department of Financial Services. I'm out in California here, like California's got some interesting ones. And it's becoming a bigger impact to businesses, right? When they don't aren't aligned with what the regulators or you know the standards are required because fines can be fairly hefty. We all know the GDPR math, right? Um, which is interesting, by the way. Um, but you know, for those doing work in Europe, right, and have to uh, so have to comply with GDPR, like you know, if found uh, guilty is the wrong word, but if found at you know, uh, what's the word? The lawyers love to use 
um, but if found negligent in some way, right, and it's understood that it's negligent, then there's a certain percentage of of uh, your revenue that's at risk. Now that's changed a little bit. It's not as draconian as it sounds, but those are the fines that can really damage an organization. And so calling out governance in and of itself has that one-to-one -one relationship between the governance that you're supposed to be aligned to and the fine that you're going to you know, pay, if you will, right? If you don't have uh, what you're supposed to be having in the jurisdictions that you're operating in. So it makes a ton of sense to pull it out. Yeah, and, and we'll see how that model works too. Australia passed uh, similar legislation like maybe four months ago. If you are uh, if you suffer data breach, you get fined some some percentage of your uh, annual revenue income. So I mean, <laughs> that seems harsh, but you know, money yeah. is a motivator, right? Absolutely. So think about so th this. You know what? This is actually a great point on something that we struggle with all or organizations struggle with all the time, and we have a hard time landing on. What do we mean by risk? Mm -hmm. Right. So there are multiple definitions out there and most organizations don't really have a common thread of what risk looks like through call it the CRO or the policy side from the risk side all the way down to cybersecurity and other, you know, other risk models that don't include uh, online security. And what's interesting is the ones that we typically gravitate to are the ones that very simply call out the impact of the business. Right. What does it mean to the business? Mm hmm. And, the, and half of the model is, well, what are your incident response costs should it go out, right? Fines and regulatory pieces are, it, are part of it. But one of the things that we typically don't think about, right, is legal fines. Like, how much is it going to cost in legal costs to, to, to determine, right, like what regulations we broke, interact with the regulators, determine what those fines look like and pay the fines. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've got that to worry about, too. So, yeah. Deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm actually, you know, um, well, two two thoughts on that, Ryan. One, I'm actually kind of an advocate of, uh, you know, people are hu human. Humans are very social creatures and, you know, they talk, right? And like I talk to people in my circles and you talk to people in your circles. But when CEOs suffer painful financial uh, impact from like a ransomware attack or from a business email compromise or whatever, they're in the locker room at the country club talking about i just got hit with this thing and like you know like if if, if my buddy carl is saying that he paid two million dollars for xyz or that his insurance premiums have gone up 30x mm -hmm. that i'm gonna listen to that it matters and i'm gonna i'm gonna take it with me and i i it's not something that happens overnight but i feel like over the last you know three to five years there's been this like societal trend and it's been in the news obviously but i think that those conversations are happening among peers and it's 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 resonating and it's it's got some stickiness to it yeah a hundred percent and the good news is look you know people do talk and especially those with shared interest and shared responsibilities will typically like to talk to each other about like hey what did you do in this situation mm -hmm. and you know as human beings that network is alive and well and that's great but oh my gosh jerry like think about this now add ransomware to that piece right yeah. now that's really complicated for board members or executives just to think through because in the economic sense it's like well hang on our stuff is all shut down i can't access it and somebody's giving me a dollar value to bring it all back right like do i do it without even understanding this you know the cryptological components to it and whether or not they can actually decrypt it all right yeah but at the very basic economic level it's like okay well how much and what's the cost but now we, it's wildly more complex because now if the attribution, depending on what that decision is, let's say the decision's yes, right? It's gonna make this point a little bit more uh, 
disappointed, if you will. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, if that particular, if, if the, if it's, a, if that particular ransomware attack and the payment was made to decrypt it, and let's just say it did work, whatever the case might be, and it gets out, I'm leaving that fuzziness just off to the side because we mm -hmm. <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. But the challenge is, is that a, 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 a um, sanctioned country or not? Because if, if it was, and the company paid the fine now all of a sudden or sorry paid the ransomware yeah your fine can be astronomical and you have other consequences so now we have that to worry about you know when your when your systems are locked up right from some sort of you know yeah some clicks them yeah yeah you got just picture. just another reason why ransomware is such a blight uh on our society um it is you know it's I mean? unfortunate because like it used to it was going down at some time because people weren't mm -hmm. paying the ransom and then all of a sudden some factors were involved and ransom payments went up and so i was like oh this is a visit see like pirate ships off the coast of you know somalia it's like oh yeah. they'll pay well then why don't we just go hit them well you know that's a problem i mean heck the norwegians did it too you know outside of france when like hey france won't pay us france will pay us not to attack everybody show up and like surround you know border yeah. of france like you know simple economics uh, you, you have to de-incentivize the action Right. What, exactly. Either through yeah. punishment or through lack of uh, benefit. You know, th that's the only way to like other. I mean, why would anyone stop? Like it's cheap. It's that's easy. Right. It's it's nearly um, not unattributable. But like you yourself aren't going to go to jail if you do it. Um, that's right. You know, you know what I mean? But um, yeah. so really quick, um, I, I we got a couple questions from Chad. Chad's been absorbing uh, everything you've been dropping like a sponge. So the, <laughs> the, the questions have been limited today, but uh, I do want to bring them up. Um, Ryan, Carrie wanted to know, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. Uh, what What's the value of knowing Linux in a kind of a GRC space? Uh, well, it depends on what operating systems your organization is running on. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, co context matters. So depending on what operating systems, you know, you, you need to use, right, for whatever piece. I mean, from a GRC standpoint, depends on where the where the risk is probably more, you know, more R than G and C. Um, right. So I think it's highly valuable if the organization is using it and it's not well understood. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are economic reasons for it, too. Right. Uh, for the business. But I think that was, you know. Yeah, I think that's absolutely. probably the best answer. Yeah, but yeah, no problem. So and it's then, always uh, good to know solid uh, OSs too, so that's helpful. Yeah, well, I mean Linux. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Linux. You know, you got to understand some tech so you can understand what the risks really are and if they apply to you and if a network engineer is blowing smoke up your butt or yeah. you know or if you want to do some like you know hunting on your own network. Um, Devin wanted to know, and I haven't read this one. Uh, you may have answered this, but having thought through managing cyber risk for your book. Uh, where do you see opportunities for practitioners to learn and roles that new learning would fix fit into? So I guess how, like if, if with your book, how might you apply it and get experience um, in it if, if you're not like a CISO, basically? That's kind of how I'm interpreting this question. Okay, perfect. Uh, two thoughts there. One is, um, look, let's just put this in the context of the tech management divide is, is there. It's alive and well. And for, and for good reason, right? We have, the you know, Um, the abstraction into management, right? And the actual delivery in, in, um, in engineering. I would say uh, if you're in the engineering space, looking up into where, and Jerry, you nailed it with the incentives, looking up into where the business is incentivized, the organization, understanding that construct will help 
filter out a whole bunch of baloney in management that's not necessarily relevant. But what's relevant is what does the business do? What would be at risk should they not be able to do that? And can I get a common language, right, in sort of risk, right, threat, vulnerability, plus impact? Can I get that understanding of what the impact is to the business? So everything I say, right, from an engineering standpoint, is immediately translated, or that translation is helpful into impact to the business, so any manager can understand it. That's that would be one way to apply this going up. Going down, if you're in the management space and really sort of struggling on the engineering or even understanding cybersecurity space or information security, right? Looking at what the what the fundamental pieces of where is the information, or let's put it this way, where are the assets, right?、Mm-hmm. How am I protecting those assets, right? And am I ready to respond, right? That just offering that out to the engineering space, and it should wind you somewhere into the soccer sim or however you're actually getting your alerts and understanding. To then peel back the end and say, all right, how do I make sense of this information in an organized way that I can then translate it for my peers and my and you know executives up the line? So it's the top down meets bottoms up, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And in the in、That's、the、helpful. middle, they shall meet, right?、Uh, Devin、yes. likes the concept of、uh, yeah. common language. I agree, a hundred percent. You、yeah. you definitely need to understand.、Um, What people are saying.、Uh, one more quick question, and then、uh, I'll give you the final opportunity to work、uh, to to deliver your your、uh, monologue, Ryan. I always love to give my guests the full stage so they can, you know, whatever they want.、Uh, real quick though, Devin had a follow up. He said, "Have you seen cyber insurance shift the ways that risks are mitigated and basic controls are expected?、Uh, and what basic controls are expected from the insurance world?" So, yeah, I guess what what have you seen the impact the insurance world's had on cyber? Sure, and and cyber having on insurance, right? So、um, in the beginning,、uh, CISOs used to need to stack a whole bunch of insurance policies just to have coverage, right? And Jerry, I think you know this really well.、Uh, so insurance, because there was no breach data and we can't run, couldn't run algorithms on it or actuarial science on, like, okay, what actually has happened?、Um, so insurance has learned a lot by what's actually important. How that has impacted organizations. Uh, is literally、uh, really sort of two pieces. One in the legal world, right? In our contracts, trying to identify where our critical assets are, and this sort of pushes into third-party risk management. Getting our、mm-hmm. legal and our contract structure in place to say, do we know what we really have at risk, right? And do those that are accessing it know they have at risk? Can we push it through the contract side? It ensures looking at that can say, all right, at least there's a through line between where the risk is <laughs> and who、mm-hmm. may. Own it, which is really hard, right? We see、uh, the you know, federal government sort of pushing into this line of like、uh, responsibility, right,、um, and legal responsibility, and that's where the insurance is going to pick up because they'll need to know, depending on who's you know, proverbially stuck with the bag at the end of the day, <laughs> that's that's going to trick over the、uh, the insurance side of the house. So yeah, they're they're learning from each other, and that's probably the way I would answer that question. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan, my my youngest son does have soccer practice. So I、uh, I we do forty five minutes、uh, for at least six weeks of Thursdays.、Uh, but I love、um, giving my guests an opportunity to take the stage and、uh, say what they want.、Um, we didn't get to get into the McKinsey stuff, so I would love to have you on the show again. We can talk more.、Um, You know, or you know, offline, whatever. But、uh, let me give you the let me give you the stage, Ryan.、Um, you know, the floor is yours. Whatever you'd like to say, you can you can pump your book. You can talk about you can talk down on RSA. Your choice, but the floor is yours, Ryan. 
Perfect. Jerry, thanks. All right, I'll pull it all together. Here it is. So here at RSA, right? I think probably the best talk that I saw here was uh, Kevin Mandia's talk, uh, right about some of the breaches. He went through some of the Apex uh, breaches and what he's seen in the year of the 2022. From the executive standpoint, one of his comments was what CISOs worry about, in his opinion, was um, you know, having a common framework, a way to understand throughout the business how I categorize all the pieces I have to bring together. That is the exact reason why this book was actually written and published, right? If you're struggling to understand cybersecurity in any way, either as a manager or as an engineer or somebody who's interested in getting into the career field, right? There are there are not a lot of guidances out there or guidebooks out there to practically walk through the problem we're trying to solve for. How do we get it contained so we can manage it? And how do we know we're doing well by measures? And, you know, understand, manage and measure uh, is, you know, is, is a, a useful tool in, in that mechanism. That's probably all I would say. <laughs> Well, makes a great I, gift too it does make a great gift i'll yeah. tell you what i will be purchasing first edition ryan i can't like i'm i'm i'm, I'm impulsive right so now i, I want you. it if i if i bookmark it for stage two or second revision I'll, I'll i might forget and i do want it on in my bookshelf it looks like a great book just by the layout uh, i love it I'll, I'll i'll be giving my uh uh, subjective and unbiased opinion uh, of it after I uh, rip through it. So uh, you may not want to come back on, but I'm sure it's going to be a, a, a very positive review. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on. Enjoy the rest of RSA. Uh, genuinely appreciate your time, your expertise, sharing it with the Simply Cyber community. A lot of great comments in here. People saying incredible talk, great insights. Um, you know, you're helping Michael um, crush it on day one in his new job. So uh, genuinely, sincerely appreciate all that you did. Thanks so much, Ryan. Jerry, thanks so much for doing this. You're doing great with everybody. And thanks for everybody for joining. Uh, I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right, let's thanks, slide you over to the green room really quick. All right, guys, I hope you got uh, incredible value out of Ryan's talk. I know it was a short one, uh, but man, that thing was crammed full of juicy tidbits and information. I did um, pin the, a link to his book on Amazon in the chat. So if you want to just make it easy and grab it, go for it there. I will be getting it myself when I get back from soccer practice. Uh, if you don't know, you can join us tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, just like every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for a daily cyber threat briefing. It's a one hour uh, top cybersecurity news stories of the day. It's a live briefing. I don't see the stories beforehand and I go through them with you and I provide my analysis, my expertise on how you can operationalize it or what you can do uh, to help it uh, help you get a job in the cyber industry. We do it every single weekday morning at 8 a.m. So come join us tomorrow, simplycyber.io slash streams. I'm Jerry. This has been Simply Cyber. Thanks so much. And until next time, stay secure.